0: Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. John, we have an awesome show lined up for today. Some very. Interesting information. Um, You know, there's a new book coming out uh, by Chris Hogan called Everyday Millionaires. Mm, I like it. Yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about that. I mean, there's some very insightful information, you know, a new study that was done about, um, you know, what makes an everyday millionaire and how do you get there. And uh, so, yeah, I'm excited to talk about that today.
1: Yeah, it's got a lot of good good tips, and I think some of them you'll probably recognize. We have certainly covered some of these over the years. And, yes. um And then we're also going to follow up with a, a discussion on college cost. And, um, man, I tell you, this is a great article um, coming from – actually coming from South Carolina, the president of South Carolina, Harry Pastides, and um, – really big issue in our society and uh I know uh, us as a firm are really um you know interested in in educating parents and certainly kids as well about how to keep costs down because the average student uh graduates with about $37,000 of student loan debt so yeah. it's a big deal
0: yeah, so there's actually some 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 useful financial information coming out of USC is what you're talking about.
1: Absolutely. Me. This that's, stuff is good, man. You that's watch, I mean, I'm, I'm it impressed. Is. And it they, m- they mentioned Clemson in there Yeah, too. they actually yeah. stole an idea from Clemson. Oh, I see Stop that. It. Yeah, yeah. Stop
0: so it. we're talking about that. That's that's <laughs> very interesting. You're right. Um by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 23 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice.
1: And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart SmartVestor Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years.
0: And we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast are up every Friday afternoon.
1: Yeah. Check out our website, moneymd.net. We have the uh, the link um, to all these podcasts. We have a couple hundred now. Uh, I also have a lot of really good tools on our website. If you haven't checked that out, go, um, go to um, uh, moneymd.net. You'll find the link to that. We have some calculators, um, some other really useful information. We have a Facebook page. Check that out. We put a um, post out there every week, a uh, video, which is kind of fun. And then Matthew's been tweeting daily. So if you're not following us on Twitter, it's MoneyMD and uh, he's got some really good tips out there.
0: Absolutely. And we'd love to hear from you. So email us your questions. You can email us directly at info at or you can link to us off our website. And that leads us up here to our financial fact of the week.
1: Yeah, the Venezuela president, uh, Maduro, um, he is manipulating
0: currencies. (laughs) (laughs) Big surprise. That's what happens when you get mired into socialism and it it leads to its logical conclusion.
1: Yeah, so he lopped all five zeros off the uh, Bolivar?
0: Yeah, and the, the the, that's the currency. currency,
1: and and he uh, unveiled a new currency trying to muffle the uh, skyrocketing inflation. He said the goal is to peg wages and pensions and prices to the petro, um, which equals about sixty dollars, and uh, create a single floating rate, uh, floating exchange rate. Which so he's trying to manipulate the currency.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Trying to trying to cover up the uh, the lack of uh, funds there to to pay all this this you know socialist stuff that he has. And, of course, they're in huge debt and can't borrow money anymore. Um, yeah, this petro new currency that he's created is a cyber currency. And he's trying to stop the million percent inflation that the International Monetary Fund um, projects that it's going to happen this year. A million inflation. A million percent inflation, yeah. How does that even work? <laughs> yeah, but the experts say that it's a scam, you know, this petro-currency, cyber-currency, because there's nothing to back it. Just like the currency he's printed, you know, there's nothing behind it. But by the way, with a million percent inflation, if you started the year with a million dollars, you now have $100. Wow. A million dollars turned into $100 in one year. And that's the effects of socialism. I mean everybody is quickly made very very poor.
1: Yeah, that's uh we see that historically. I mean um you know capitalism works. It's certainly not perfect and there's some pitfalls in capitalism, but it does produce a better standard of living is what we've seen historically.
0: No doubt. No doubt. So that's the fact of the week. Sad but but true. Yep. So there you go. Um that leads us up here to our first topic and that is everyday millionaires. Um Yeah, Chris Hogan uh, from Dave Ramsey's organization has an exciting new book coming out called Everyday Millionaires. And so, Chris, he got on this rant, John, um, because he came across a study that says 64% of millennials don't think they'll ever reach a million dollars in retirement savings. Hmm. And so he says, you know, why not? I mean, why can't they reach a million dollars? And, you know... um, would you believe that there are currently around ten million millionaires in America? Wow, more that's a big than number. yeah, more than all other countries by far, and that's about one in every thirty people. <clears throat> so that's a lot of seven-figure retirement dreams. What's more, that number's growing. You know, the fact uh, in this study released last year says that the Millionaire Club grew by four hundred thousand in two thousand sixteen. Um, so every year, hundreds of thousands of Americans are crossing the million dollar mark and facing their future with more confidence than than ever,
1: yeah, so hopefully the money doctors are contributing to that right? I think we are you know, our advice, and obviously Dave is out there as well, so you know, it's great hearing that so many are hitting that that wealth number um, you know and looking at that benchmark, that million dollars. Uh, is kind of defined as a secure retirement. And so the question is is how do they do that? And the answer might surprise you. And probably um you know have access to this uh this information already, but the research shows that millionaire strategies um showed that the most in this group started their journey by investing in their company retirement plans, the 401k plan, maybe a 403b. And while that might not be, you know, the get rich scheme that you were hoping for, they're some surprising reasons the strategy will elevate you and take you to the millionaire status. So we're going to find out why the 401k is such a powerful tool and something you really need to consider.
0: Yeah, we're going to kick into that first. Um, You know, so after getting rid of all your debt and saving a full emergency fund, the biggest tool for achieving millionaire status is by far participating in your company's retirement plan. Um, So here are some of the reasons why a big majority of millionaires participated in their plans. First one is, um, it's the power of the company match. Millionaires, they don't pass up free money, and neither should you. When your employer offers to match your contributions dollar for dollar at any percentage that you pay, um, you know, up to 3% is kind of typical, I mean, they're basically giving you a bonus. I mean, and leaving that on the table is like setting cash on fire. You know, no other investment in the world promises you a hundred percent return on at least part of your money. So, if your employer offers you a match, find out what the percentage is and be sure that you're investing at least that amount in your 401k right off the bat um, to make sure and make sure you're ready to invest the, the second that you're eligible for that match. Um, The next reason, though, is the pre-tax advantage. Pre-tax money that you put in your 401k plan, it lowers your taxable income, which means you can invest more money up front. Now, even through a 401k plan, um, even though that's the most common tool in your arsenal, you definitely want to invest any extra dollars you have as well to make sure that you're getting the type of growth that you can get through investing So be careful about that. Make sure you're putting everything you can in. But the tax deferral, it speeds up your growth. I mean, time is money, especially whenever you're talking about compound interest. So as your 401k grows over time, that growth is tax deferred. And that means that you're going to have more money in your account to work with um, that works for you. Um, So how much do you invest? So when people ask us how much of their income they should be investing, we usually suggest putting away 15% of your gross income. That amount should leave you enough money to pay off still pay off your mortgage early, put some money away for the kid's college, as long as you start planning early. Um, so where do you put that 15%? That's going to depend on your 401k plan.
1: Yeah, so the first step in a smart 401k strategy is, like we just said, invest up to the employer match if your co- company offers one. And remember that every dollar you don't invest up to the match, is really money left on the table you're you know you're you're giving up it's really part of your salary and it's kind of forcing you to save so Very, very important. Most employers, they don't contribute a dime to your retirement unless you're putting money in, too. And at the same time, he doesn't recommend that you count the matching funds as a part of your 15% goal. It's better to hit the 15% each year on your own and think about the matching funds as free money. Uh, That's great to have, but not an essential part of your overall strategy. So, you know, I I think, you know, 15% overall is a good number. If you have a match on top of that, it's going to, you know, bolster it a little bit.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. So next, I mean, once you've invested in your employer's uh, in your employer 401k plan up to the match, um, your next step is to invest in a Roth IRA until you've hit the maximum contribution of $5,500 for anybody under 50, $6,500 if you're 50 or older. A Roth IRA uses after-tax dollars, meaning that it's taken out of your paycheck um, after you've paid income taxes on it. And so that's the basis for the Roth's two big advantages. First, your money grows tax-free. And second, you owe no taxes on it when you take it out for retirement. So it's tax-free for life. Um, So that's a great tool, and it really positions you in retirement with some flexibility of having money in your 401K that's pre-tax and having money that's also after-tax. So you have some choices of where to take your income from. But once you're getting your full match and you've maxed out your Roth IRAs, then you can go to an after-tax investment account um, using a well-diversified portfolio of mutual funds. And that way, your money will be liquid. It'll be available for short-term goals like college expenses or buying a home. Um, And so make sure you're using no-load funds that have very little cost to buy or sell so this money will be liquid and available for you if you need it. And once you've invested 15 percent of your income in the best combination of tax advantaged or employer matched retirement plans, then it's time to let these compound returns do the work for you. Um, You know, and this is one of the most exciting parts of your millionaire journey. As time goes by, two things will grow your wealth and your confidence in the future. Now, there's one more thing that you need to do with your investments to reach the millionaire status over time, and that is leave it alone. Mm, That's hard. It is. got to let it ride the ups and downs of the market, um, and you're likely to come out ahead if you just leave it alone. Don't try to time it. So uh, so here are some of the keys, though, of making sure you reach that millionaire status.
1: Just one one note on the ups and downs of the market. You probably can tell this as well, but when someone comes in, I can tell if they've timed the market over, over the yep. years. Yep. Um, you know, you can have two people that make a similar wage and one of them has about three times as much as another person, and they both saved the same amount. Yep. It's just somebody's been sitting in cash, or they try to time it, or they have a feeling that the market's going to go down. And exactly. It doesn't I, work that way.
0: It doesn't. I sat down with somebody this week, John, and, you know, we looked at their rate of return, and it was a paltry 2 or 3% over the last five years per year, And but they were currently about 60% in stocks. And so – it was obvious they've been doing some market timing, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. if you had a sixty percent stocks, you did better than that over the last right. four or five years. So you know we got discussing it, and sure enough, they just moved to sixty percent. They've been you know real conservative, thinking the market was going down, and that's that's what happens.
1: That's right. So you got to leave it alone. Let let it go up and down. That's what it does. And uh, another key here, Steve, is start early. Of all the age groups, millennials really had the best chance of reaching that million dollar mark um, because they have time on their side. And some millennials are are off to a good start. Almost sixty percent. Of them have already started saving for retirement, which is fantastic. You know, you've got a head start. So, you know, if you start investing about 300 bucks a month at age 25, you have a shot at getting at the million dollar mark. So it doesn't take as much as you think as long as you start early.
0: Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. And I know some of you are thinking, you know, I didn't start when I was 25. I can't hit a million dollars. Well, yes, you can. You know, um, you, you have to get on a budget. You have to pay off any debt. You have to put as much as you can toward retirement. And if you're already doing that, then sit down with a spouse or friend, look at your budget and decide how you can trim your expenses to put more money in your investment account and then stick to a plan. But get some accountability, get some help if you you can't figure out how to do it, you know, on your own by by tightening down your budget and then increase that every year. Um, Not everybody can put away loads of money when you're first starting out. Um, Certainly we get that. But. That doesn't mean that you're doomed to a a, miser, a, miserly, a miserly retirement. You know, start with a percentage that you can manage and get the max out of any employer match. Then increase that percentage every year so that your investments grow as your career and your paycheck grows. Then, if you get an extra bonus, you know, throw that into your investment account too. But I love setting up automatic mm-hmm. increases in your 401k so that every year it goes up by a percent. You know, that's defaulting to success, and that's what you want to do.
1: Yeah, it's a great strategy. Another one here we've kind of hinted around is you got to think long term. I mean, saving for retirement, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. Um, And that mentality, really, Steve, is not popular in our instant download culture. Building wealth doesn't work that way. It takes time and it takes patience. And remember the fable about the tortoise and the hare? I mean, slow and steady really does win the race every time. A lot of people are out there trying to get rich quick with the Bitcoins and some of these other things. Um, If you're able to put money in on a monthly basis for decades, it has worked very, very well historically.
0: That's right, you know, and, and but winning the marathon only happens if you stay in the race, and that means you got to keep plugging away, putting money in your retirement accounts, no matter what the market does, and if your portfolio balance drops, and it will, you know, don't panic, you know, don't pull your money, actually put in more money if you can, um, you know, keep your eye on the prize, the market will correct itself, and your investments will earn a return over time, You know, that's what markets do if you stay diversified. Um, So, you know, just keep plugging away. So there's nothing fancy about building wealth. The question is whether you're willing to do the work to get there. It's all about avoiding debt, living on a budget, staying on guard against stupid decisions, as he says here, and, you know, investing your money wisely. So start by saying, yes, I can. I can get to a millionaire status. So that is the uh, Everyday Millionaire it's gonna introduction. It's going to be a good book. It's going to be a great book. So look for that book to hit newsstands here in the next month or so. All right, and that leads us up to our question of the week. Yeah, I just recently met a,
1: um, a couple, a young couple, and this uh, gentleman has a student loan that's going to be forgiven in about seven years. It was 10 years, but he's, he's three years into it. And so we had a discussion about whether he should pay the minimum and focus on other goals. And he plans on staying in this profession for his life, and he's he's got he's going to make a career out of it. And um, so and there's different opinions on this, but um, gosh, I tell you, it was a very large number. It was fifty five thousand, and um, the the actual minimum payment was like one hundred and twenty bucks a month. Wow! And mm. um, if he if he treats it like that, he's going to get through. He's got some other debt that he's trying to get through, but. If he can view that as a $120 payment for seven years, he can go on to some other really big things and yeah. really get ahead. So I, I encourage him, you know, if he's going to stay in this profession, um, that, you know, treat that as a seven-year payment and then it's going to be gone and focus on some other things like Roth IRAs and start, you know, investing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there are these debt forgiveness programs for student loans that if you work in a certain profession, I don't know if it's, is it only teachers? Or it's
1: not. There... This guy was actually a firefighter. Wow. Okay. Excuse me. He was in. He was a fireman. He was in the fire department, okay, not a firefighter, okay. but he was it's public service.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So there are these public service jobs that, uh, and I don't. I'm not real familiar with this program, but you know, if you if you go into that field and you stay in there, what is it, ten years? Ten years. Yeah. It's ten years. <laughs> then they forgive your student loans up to a limit. It's yeah. not unlimited, but still, it's a big number. And uh, wow, it's a nice bonus. So you know, if you get out with a lot of student loans, consider that um, yeah. option.
1: I- I told him, I, I said, I was thanking him for his service. I mean, he's out there, you know, helping yeah. people in, yeah. in a public service format. So um, I was I was encouraging him. So. Yeah,
0: so that's a cool thing. He definitely needs to take advantage of that. So uh, that's a great question of the week. And that leads us up here to our next topic. And that is, um, you know, a plan to keep down cost. Um, and this idea comes out of... University of South Carolina of We all do places. have some good stuff, don't we? Imagine that, we do. Not man, only football do we uh yeah.
1: do well at, but also academics. <laughs> yeah, we're going to see about football <laughs> this year. Right. You
0: guys are going to be up against it.
1: Yeah, we're going to have a good team. Not not as good as Georgia and Clemson, but we're we won't <laughs> talk about that right now. It is right down
0: right down the the it's road coming, here. Coming coming up pretty soon. So
1: this article is article's, uh written by uh, Cindy Ross Scope and um it really is interesting. During her college orientation, she said she learned that she had placed out of a couple of semesters of English and French. And she realized that she could graduate a semester early. And so, you know, one year of summer school could double that. So she was in a hurry to get to the next phase of her life. And so she actually graduated in three years instead of four. And, um, you know, had the added advantage of cutting cost, tuition, fees, housing, meals by a quarter. And that financial incentive was, for her, glaringly obvious. But decades later, the concept really seems lost on most people. And we'll
0: yeah. see that. Yeah, that's right. You know, I mean in this country, I mean, we don't even talk about completing a four year degree in four years anymore. I mean a benchmark now is like five or six years. Um as in sixty percent of the students who begin seeking a bachelor's degree at a four year institution, um, they completed it within six years. 60%. Uh, 60%. 60%. Majority. Yeah, yeah, according to the federal government's National Center of Education Statistics. So that's crazy. So, you know, I mean, he says he was all in when he learned that the uh, USC president, Harris... Uh, Pastides, Pastides. Okay, there yep. you go. Top uh, His top strategies for cutting costs at a college degree is reducing the number of semesters that students spend on campus. And, yeah, I mean, I think I this like is that. a... It's a great idea. We've been touting this for a long time about going somewhere else a couple of years, you know, locally. Um so it's the same type of strategy, you know, it and it a lot of students um <clears throat> you know, can can get in after a couple of years. And, you know, Clemson's had that bridge program. Mm-hmm. That's the same type thing for, for oh, quite a while now.
1: That's right. And much like his counterpart at Clemson, Dr. Pastides has been working for several years to really encourage students to start at a two-year or a technical college and then transfer to USC to finish. And this year, about 2,000 juniors are going to transfer into USC. And, and five years ago, he launched a um, another opportunity. It's an online campus called Palmetta college and it allows people to finish their usc degrees online they can simply pick up a few more credits and there's about 1200 students that are currently enrolled in that particular uh, facet and but you know state funding certainly has continued to evapu- evaporate and concerns about some of the college debt has has mounted dr pastides has become more aggressive about cutting the time traditional students spend on campus. And, you know, he says we urge almost to the point of requiring on-time graduation and even early graduation, the days of mommy and daddy paying for another year or two are gone. And, um, you know, we, they want to see students, uh, that they kind of know what to expect for them to graduate in four or fewer years. I know it's hard when you get on campus, you know, people, a lot of times change their major, yeah. And that's part of the issue. I know Danielle changed her major and um, some of the classes she had taken, which were general classes, didn't count towards the other one. So I think the schools have some responsibility in this as well.
0: They really do. They really do. Yeah. I mean, and thanks to, um, you know, AP courses and other programs, a lot of students enter school with 15 to 30 hours of credit toward a 120 semester hour degree um, and that's that's really cool. That means the students can, can take like 15 credits a semester, which used to be the standard now, and um, and they can you know graduate in three to you know three and a half to four years, which is a lot cheaper than sticking around five or six years. That's a huge savings, and that's a great strategy that high school kids need to focus on. Getting ahead Absolutely. and taking AP courses so they can place out of some of these some of these classes. It makes college so much easier if you go in and you already got all this and you don't have to take you know eighteen hours a semester or something crazy like
1: that. Right, right. I just met um, the uh, the um, Aiken Tech president, Doctor uh, Forrest Mann, and um, he was telling me that they have. A program that high school students are going through, taking dual enrollment courses. It doesn't really mention that in here. And there, are peop- there are high school students that are getting their associate's degree. Wow, in high school. Wow. So I mean, there there are ways to cut your your college um, Smart. costs and debt. So Smart kids, there absolutely. Another uh, thing that the university is doing is summer school offerings. Um, you know, trying to get people ahead. They had about five thousand students um, doing summer school enrollment, and that's up from a thousand a decade ago. And so, when you look at some of the statistics, um, the benchmark uh, six year graduation rate at south carolina is seventy two percent very very high um, wow, compared to sixty percent nationally but the four year rate is at fifty four percent which doesn't sound great till you look at the uh, the thirty three percent national average so critics will say that encouraging students to graduate sooner is just a cover for for raising tuition year after year but um I I disagree with that. I th- I think all parties need to play a part in this.
0: Yep. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I agree. So, you know, and also, I mean, you need to think about ways you can save money. I mean, think about what we what we pay for everything else that we buy, you know, we reduce the amount of money that we spend on gas. Um even if the price goes up by driving less or driving a more fuel-efficient vehicle or driving more efficiently. Um, we know we cut our food costs by eating out less or buying less expensive food or by shopping at a cheaper grocery store. So, you know, if, if money is the object of, uh, saving money is the, the plan, then it makes sense to use some of these same tactics on college costs. So it's just common sense. You know, we all use all the tools that we have at our disposal, or we should be. And it's the same thing with college.
1: Yeah. So let's look at tuition. Um, there was a study that was released, um, by the American Federation of Teachers. South Carolina ranked 31st nationally in the amount of money the state provided per college student. And um, then the legislature cut budgets uh, back in 2008 across state governments in response to the recession. And by 2016, they had dropped to 40th nationally and um even the total dollars to colleges dropped and i'm sure this is the same in georgia as well but in 2008 there was about 840 million that was going to schools and that had been cut to 615 million which mm. is why probably some of the schools have continued to increase uh the cost associated with this but um you know there's some other things that you got to look at here
0: yeah and i think that the 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 public um uh their contribution from the state to the universities is only like 25 percent of their their budget. So I I think there's, you know, they some other things. There's some other things, definitely, that are coming into factor here. Um, But, yes, you can argue that when the legislator, when they slice slash an agency's funding, that agencies need to cut costs rather than simply uh, finding other places to get money, you know, and raising their tuition, so to speak. And as someone who, you know, sometimes shocked by the sort of spending in the public sector um, that, you know, we take for granted in the private sector, um, you know, there's some there's certainly some nip and tuck savings to be found. And at USC and other uh, colleges, certainly around the country. You know, there are some costs that can't be cut without damaging the quality of education, you know, that he makes a point here that, you know, they make available to people who will one day, you know, be our, our state, business, civic, and government leaders, you know, so mm-hmm. they don't want to cut costs in areas that they claim will, um, will hurt, hurt that, right? will hurt the school.
1: And Dr. Pastides, he's, he says he's looking for ways to constrain the tuition increases, and he says the days of increasing tuition by 5%. To cover costs or over. So I'm, I'm glad he's publicly stating that because something needs to change here. He's also mm. working with some uh, other college leaders to support the Senator Sheehan's proposal to dedicate a portion of online sales tax revenues to college in return for holding down tuition increases and out-of-state enrollment. And that should be a significant source of revenue starting next year. Um, and, uh, you know, retailers are going to be required to collect some of those sales taxes uh, where they don't have a physical preference. So Pastides goes on to say, you know, I do think the government's role goes beyond just admonishing us to constrain costs. It goes, you know, it also needs to be included in helping us, and the parents and students have a role in that as well. Um, some of these things we're talking about, the AP courses, the dual enrollment courses going locally can really cut your bill by, you know, 50, 60, 70% and have no student loans coming out. So we're really passionate about this. If you know of a group or a school that, um, you think would uh, benefit from us coming in and talking, let us know. We'd be more than happy to, uh, to share some of this information and go a little bit deeper. There's a lot of different ways to save for college as well. 529s, ESAs and so forth. And we can certainly cover that as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Very important topic and it's great information and we, we certainly have a lot of ideas there. So, uh. Good, good article. And uh, that leads up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah,
1: um, I talked to a lady this last week, and we were, I had her do a budget. Uh, she brought her budget in. She's never really done one before. And um, as I was looking through it, she was paying uh, about $700 a month for car insurance and homeowner's insurance. Ouch. And, oh, my um, goodness. Yeah, That's so lot. over $8,000 a year. Good grief. And um, so I asked her, you know, had she repriced it recently? She said, well, no, she hasn't done it, and I don't know how long she said maybe a decade so i'm like so here's what you you need to go and make some phone calls go to some competitors out there get an apples to apple you know comparison if you want to stay with your current provider great um but let them know that they're going to have to come down and match that rate or you're going to leave um
0: and you got to look at your limits too you know people blindly just accept whatever the insurance agent suggests to them you know for limits and uh it's crazy some of the limits I see out here, you know, people carrying, you know, comprehensive coverage. I just, you know, looked at my mother-in-law's and she was carrying comprehensive coverage on a car that's 20 years old. Yeah. 20 years old. I mean, come on, you know, so drop your comprehensive coverage, drop your limits down to a reasonable level, raise your deductible to at least $1,000, you know, two or 3000 if they allow you to on a car, you know, on a house, your deductible should be at least $5,000 in my opinion. You know, if you have an adequate, you know, emergency fund, don't let them over, uh, you know, they they raise your your limits every year, too, on a house, you know, by some factor. And eventually it gets to be too much coverage for the house. And it doesn't do you any good because if your house burns down, they're only going to pay you replacement costs, mm-hmm. you know, at best replacement costs, or they might even pay you a depreciated value on your belongings. So um, you need to make sure the limits are not, you know, too much on on those kind of things yeah check so, it out
1: you can save a lot of money in that area it's something you, worth
0: uh, spending some time on you can absolutely so great prescription mm-hmm. of the week alright and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health and if you have questions give us a call you can reach us at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725 thanks for listening have a great rest of the week have a good one This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartBuster Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Family Associates, a registered investment advisor.